Welcome to the LB SNC podcast, where myself, Lachlan Beavis, and several guests will discuss all things health and fitness. We will also discuss several topics that are relevant in our world today and how they impact our day to day lives. If you like or enjoy the podcast, please feel free to share on social media or submit a rating and review. Awesome, guys, let's dive right in. Hey guys, and welcome back to the LV SNC podcast. We're at episode four on the podcast, and I'm pleased to welcome our second guest, uh, Snap Fitness gym owner, uh, Cameron Russell. Cam, how are you, mate? Good, thank you, Lockie. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's great to have you on, mate. To uh, um, looking forward to uh, grilling you with some hard hitting questions. Uh, how's the lockdown treating you so far? Good, thanks. But firstly, I just wanted to ask who the first guest was. I know you just labelled me as the second guest. <laughs> first guest was Sophie Domenico. So. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are so, you playing uh, favourites? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Just, uh, you know, had to, had to go. You were definitely in my top five to get on first, Cam. So Perfect. Um, you've, made, you've made the top five list. So. <laughs> That's silver, silver place. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool, mate. So uh, basically for all the listeners out there and for yourself, um, we're going to go through some uh, rapid fire questions to start. So um, just a quick 10 questions on, uh, you know, some uh, a range of different topics just to quiz you on. And then uh, we'll get into uh, your background and uh, how you got into the health and fitness industry. So um, without further ado, mate, are you ready to get going? Mate, I'm already. Uh, I do apologise if I do have some noise in the background. I've got a little nine-week-old uh, puppy uh, who I've just put into his little crate um, to try and get him to have some sleep time. Yeah. Um, okay. So that he works. might he might yelp and, and talk a part of this podcast. So yeah, all good, mate. No worries. Dad, daddy duties. <laughs> yeah, mate. Little Ted. Cute yeah. as. <laughs> no worries, mate. All good. All righty. So question number one: uh, dream holiday spot. Uh, mate, Bora Bora for me at the moment. Bora Bora. Bora Bora. Uh, or for me, I'd love to go to the Caribbean. Caribbean, yeah, cool. Awesome. Awesome. Any reason why? Just the, the Caribbean really cool. intrigues me. Um, it just looks amazing. I've been to some kind of beautiful places in the tropics. Uh, but the, the Caribbean down that way uh, is some area that I have never been and always intrigued. Uh, Cuba is another place I would love to go. Uh, it's becoming more and more uh, commercialised and touristy now since they've opened it up. But I'd love to get down there in the next couple of years. Very tropical. Very tropical. I like it. Uh, question number two, golf or triathlon? Mate, golf any day of the week. Hey, golf. Okay. Uh, question number three, celebrity crush. Oh, that's a good one. Megan Markle on, on Suits was a massive one. Uh, now that she's with, with Prince um, Harry, still respect for her, but I don't really follow the, the media too much in regards to that. I mean, some people have said some different things about what they've done, their opinions on it. I don't have an opinion, but I think she was awesome on Suits. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, who has a better haircut, Merch or myself? Uh, mate, I think right now yours, um, definitely. 
So a bit of background, uh, the boys have a competition who can cut their hair between 10 and 14 days. If it's any longer than 14 days, they're back at the barbers. So uh, I've known Mercho to get two haircuts in the one day because he wasn't quite happy. Have you gone to that standard yet? Not yet. No, no, I'm not up to that stage yet, but I'm, I've got no doubt that I'll get there at some stage. Cause, but I mean, the, the listeners can't see at the moment. We're on video here um, and your haircut's looking pretty good for, for COVID, mate. God, thanks, mate. Appreciate that. I might, I might get you on the podcast again for that. <laughs> All right, question number five. Uh, favourite golf club? Favourite golf club would be... I love my eight iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why. I just Whenever I go to hit it, um, I just feel confident in hitting it and hitting the ball really, really well. Yeah, yeah. No, for all... Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like For all the golf listeners out there, I definitely feel like, you know, there's definitely... A club that I know for me, it's probably one of the higher clubs, like, like my seven iron. Like my seven iron, you just know that straight away, it's like you're confident with one club and you just know that no matter what, you're going to hit it pretty well. So is that the, that the kind of feeling you get when you pull Yeah, I, I love hitting my three wood. I don't hit it a whole heap. Uh, I really like hitting that and, and some long aisles, long islands like the three iron or yep. whatever. But I always, whenever I pull out the eight iron, I just love hitting it. Yeah, nice. Uh, what motivates you? To be better every day, to get better, to be better, to be better as a human, uh, to get better at the skills I have. If it's you know work-related, personal, if it's um, skills like you know golf or surfing, um, just yeah, learning as well. Um, so I love to learn in all aspects, and that's kind of probably why I enjoy meeting people. Um, especially from all walks of life. I try and learn something from everyone I meet. Um, and people say you have a good, you know, a good relationship with a lot of people, I think, because I always want to see or see if I can learn something from them, from their experiences, uh, et cetera, yeah. no matter what their background is. Yeah, good one. Good one. Uh, question seven, who wins the NRL grand final? Two weeks to go. Who you got? Who you back in? If I was a betting man, which I am, I'd back Melbourne Storm. <laughs> yeah. um, I would like to see Penrith win it. Um, yeah, but I don't you know. It's, it's interesting because I think uh, Manly have a great chance to beat uh, South yeah. and they could definitely go on and win the grand final because Manly can beat anyone on the day. Uh, yeah. And I used to work for Manly. There's a soft spot there. Yeah. Um, but oh, I'd love to see Penrith win. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. No, I think they came close last year, but... Wait and see what happens, eh? Um, question eight. Funniest memory growing up? The funniest? It's, it's funny, but also can be very embarrassing. And I used to hate it, but now I've kind of just dealt with it because it always pops up. Yeah. Um, was a photo of me. We went around to a family friend's house. Uh, they have a pool. I didn't have any swimmers, so my parents put a female's one-piece swimmer on me. Uh, so I was cruising around that, and there's a photo of me on the trampoline uh, in the one-piece. I don't know how old I was, maybe six, seven, eight, so old enough to know better. Um, well, desperate, so, desperate times call for desperate measures, eh? Mate, that's true. I don't know why I didn't swim you know, naked and cruise around. Who knows? But um, Oh, that's, that's good. Wow. What a memory, hey? Yeah. <laughs> How good. Awesome. Uh, question nine. Favourite exercise? Uh, rear leg raised lunges. So putting your foot up behind you. 
uh, and going deep uh, into the front of a lunge. So like, it's like, let's say it's a lunge, but you, your legs up on a bench behind you or whatever yeah. box. Um, I just like it because it's, I think it's really, really hard. Uh, it's just this excruciating burn, but I've kind of learned to enjoy that burn. Mm, yeah. And that's my favorite exercise. And I don't know why, because it's kind of two exercises because you got to do both legs. True. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. In Bulgarians, aren't they? Bulgarian split squats? Is that what Yeah, Bulgarian split squats. Uh, but you can do them on both level. I like to have my back yeah, foot yeah. back foot raised. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's slightly different terms for, for a lot of different things. Split squats is also a great exercise, which is a similar thing. Um, what's the difference between split squats and lunges? You know, not a lot depending on how you do it and how you execute it. Yeah, yeah for sure. That explains why you can ride 42Ks and do all these triathlons, eh? It's all those... Yeah, I mean, 180Ks, luck. it's running, running 42. 100, 180, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you did your research and brushed up on the uh, triathlon stuff, mate, you'd know that. Yeah, didn't, do, didn't do my due diligence. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, you were like me. I, I joined the Half Ironman and we registered. We didn't even know the distance until after we registered. That's okay. uh, the <laughs> best that, way to be. That would be me. <laughs> uh, and last one. Uh, obviously, you're the, uh, the gym owner of Snap Fitness Maitland and I uh, guess want to want to know what your favourite part of Snap is the gym as a whole what's your i mean people speak a lot about the community environment and that's definitely for me probably the best part but for you as a gym owner you probably see a lot more of the ins and outs of the gym as what we do but what's your favorite part uh for me it's simple like it's the people yeah uh by that it's you know the people who come to the gym it's it's the team it's the staff the trainers you know, every member, as I said, I'm intrigued to learn off, you know, everyone that I meet. Um, but having, you know, I feel I have a genuine interest in, in people um, and getting to know people and what they like. Um, yeah. And obviously caring, uh, obviously we care a lot about what we do. Um, but I think it's just having that general care of, of, of the people. Um, then that, that helps to create the community that we have you know, people come together. There's nothing more rewarding for me than, you know, someone coming to the gym at the similar time and they kind of see each other and they start talking and they become friends and become workout buddies and they become workout buddies subconsciously because they're still training at the same time. They might be doing a completely different workout or someone coming to some group classes and they don't really know anyone. They take that step and then they then become, you know, they make some friends within that circle um, of friends. So, you know, it's people and then connecting people to other people. Uh, and then, you know, like-minded people, similar. Um, so that's probably definitely, um, you know, the, my most, you know, important thing, my most memorable thing about the whole, you know, gym, business, community uh, is the people. Yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. And, you know, I can definitely testify to that, you know, walking in and seeing members chatting with each other after their session. I know Soph's got a few, you know, close clients that, you know, um, in a group setting that you know they all kind of hang around at the end and chat with each other and that's definitely something which is really cool to see um, and just shows that we're not just a gym you know we're a community and it's uh it's really positive to see uh, yeah just on that like i mean i think it's yeah. important to say like i i really you know value and um you know it makes and it enlightens me and it makes me feel great is when I see, you know, it might be your client. So you do a small group training. It could be Sophs or it could be Tanya's or it could be um, Luke's is, 
you know, when those people who do a, a PT session, you know, one, two, three, four in that little group session who become friends who then start hanging out on the weekends or doing walks on the weekends. And I just feel like we see so much of that. And, you know, that's what I like. I mean, I don't, don't need to be and I don't want to be the ones who are connecting and stuff like that. But when people kind of meet, you know, like-minded people and enjoy their, you know, community and they bring the best out of each other, um, you know, that's what I love to see. And I see it every day with, you know, you guys is, you know, the PTs working together. You guys bring the best out of each other. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be socially, it can be fun. It can be, you know, mim- mimicking or, or playing tricks on each other, uh, but also just being as a, as a good human. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. No, it's a super cool environment and uh, one that I know I'm definitely grateful to be a part of. Um, so mate, uh, let's get into uh, your background. So give the listeners a bit of a, a background into um, how you grew up and, uh, and where you got to um, as of today. So you grew up in Lennox Head? Yeah, one step back, Lock. I'm mean, proud of it. Uh, people always laugh at me. Uh, I was born in Singleton. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, so born, born in Singleton. I spent a few years there and then, yeah, mum and dad moved from Singleton up to, to Lennox Head. So that's mainly where I, went to all, I did all my schooling, you know, primary school, high school. Yeah, I grew up, grew up up there. So from Singleton, then moved to Lennox Head, am I correct? Yep. Correct, yes. Yep, cool. And uh, what was it like growing up in Lennox? Because obviously it's a very, it's a coastal, coastal town. A lot of beaches I'm assuming that's where you learn how to surf so. yeah 100 percent. where i learned how to surf i did uh, nippers uh that's surf life saving which i loved yeah. um growing up there i mean one of the the couple of things that really stood out to me when i look back at it now being in my 30s still young as um is you know riding riding my bikes around like having this like that little community as we, we spoke about but you know i used to ride my bike to school you know, I used to be able to go surfing before school, but we used to ride our bikes down, you know, literally in one of the popular surf breaks was out in front of the pub, um, you know, but we used to ride our bikes down and just dump our bikes, not even chain them up. You know, there used to be 10, 15 bikes just sitting there on the grass. Uh, no one cares. They're all over everywhere, you know, because, uh, you know, the grommets or, you know, the kids are just riding down with their surfboard, you know, going surfing, coming in, you know, I'd ride home, then ride to school, um, you know, we could put our bikes there, not even chain them up, um, you know, with, with the risk of, you know, anything getting stolen uh, and then going to school there. So just being able to kind of, you know, get around on, on bikes and have that community where it felt really, really safe. Um, you know, it was very, you know, special to me because um, after obviously growing up and then going to Sydney and seeing what it's like in Sydney versus what we had it. Um, and I see a lot of that, you know, obviously being younger in, in Singleton, um, but then coming to Maitland, it's, it's like a big, big country town, uh, which I really enjoy. I really value that um, because you see outside of it, a lot of people, you can walk down the street and you say g'day and g'day, mm-hmm. you know, you get a coffee or you go into Woolworths and, you know, you can run into a couple of people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess, um, you know, you've kind of experienced the best of both worlds, you know, living in a, um, you know, small country town, then moving into a city um, like Sydney and then kind of, you know, coming back and living in Newcastle and, and working in Maitland. So um, what year did you move? When did you move to Sydney? So I finished uh, year 12 um, up there. I went to uh, Woodlawn, which is in Lismore. 
Um, and then I went, yeah, moved to Sydney. So straight after year 12. So when I was 18, uh, moved down to Sydney to go to university. Did it take you, take you a while to find your groove down there? Because I know for me, moving down to Melbourne, then obviously Melbourne and Sydney are, you know, fairly similar in a way, you know, both big cities and huge places compared to where, you know, we kind of grew up. But did it take you a while to kind of find your groove and find your place or did you, you know, find it fairly, did you find your groove fairly comfortably? Was it, was it a challenge? Um, yeah, it definitely is a challenge. I, I definitely feel for people moving to Sydney and, you know, finding a group of, a circle of friends. Because I think just noticing the difference from a country town uh, versus a city, you know, you go into Woolworths and everyone's in their own lane. They're just in there, get it done as quick as they can, get out, probably because it's going to take them, you know, so long to get home in traffic, blah, blah, blah. So it's the, the city fast-paced life uh, is like that. So to break into a circle of friends down there is very, very hard. Um, and it was, it was a challenge. I mean, I feel comfortable, you know, talking and meeting people and, you know, if they say, you know, do you want to come for a surf or go for a run? I'd always say yes. One of the biggest things I did is just put myself out of the, out of the comfort zone and say, yep, I'll come or yep, I'll come and meet you or I'll meet these people and just talking to them. Um, and on reflection back then, you know, we had friends come up from Sydney. So friends of friends in Lennox head, uh, they always had their cousins come up. Um, you know, to come up on school holidays and I would take them surfing. So I spent a lot of time going out of my own way to take them surfing, showing the ropes, et cetera, um, you know, years on years for school holidays. And they were from Sydney. So when I went down there, they repaid my favour. You know, they would say, you know, come for a surf or, you know, now, you know, we're going to this, this social event, come and meet that. So I, I got introduced to a few people, but I had to make the effort to, to do that. I could easily say no. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to penetrate, you know, the, the circle of friends because people have their friends uh, and they're happy with that. So to kind of get in the, in the mix of that is, was very challenging. Uh, and I can see how it is very challenging for a lot of people, but I think you just have to be a yes person and put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. What if I turn up to this, you know, social event and know no one? Well, I just have to walk over and introduce myself to someone else. Yeah, yeah, putting yourself out there, I guess, which is, you know, by the sounds of what you, what you had to do. And, you know, I completely agree, you know. I know for me, moving down to Melbourne, I didn't know anyone down there. You know, I had to say, say yes and kind of put yourself out there to a lot of different things. Um, and I guess that's while it can be an uncomfortable feeling, you know, putting yourself out there in a new environment, which you have no idea about. I think, you know, you conquer that fear of failure and, you know, that fear of, you know, will it work, will it not by, you know, exactly that, just putting yourself out there and not being too worried about the result of it, I guess. Yeah. And it, it doubles up, you know, I spent, I went to uni in Sydney and then after that I moved to London, I went over there and, uh, that was a challenge. I knew no one there. You know, I had no friends, no one to go over and see, um, etc. So I was like, you know, I want to go. People kind of doubted me. You know, you, this will last two, you know, two weeks. You know, you'll be over there and hate it. Be away from the beach, um, doing things you like. The weather shit, um, and you know, it continues on. I was like, you know, I, I don't mind that. I like that challenge, and that probably drove me to stay longer. And you know, I end up over there for nearly three years. Yeah, for sure. No, it's. One of those things, mate, you just, you know, you, you put yourself out there and, you know, obviously, you know, there'll be people who say, you know, it might not be for you, you know, you'll last X amount of time, X amount of week here. And, you know, as you said, you lasted three years in a completely different country. How was yeah. that? 
yeah, it was great. You know, I mean, university is great. They say that's the time of your life, but I think I really enjoyed. I love travel. I love different cultures. Um, so going over there um, with, you know, I just had a, a, a return ticket um, that I didn't end up using. So I had no pressure on myself. Um, you know, if it's two weeks, two months, two years, it didn't matter to me. I just wanted to go over there and, and experience it. And yeah, I definitely had, you know, the time of my life and that forced me definitely out of my comfort zone. I remember getting to London and going down to a pub, you know, just by myself and, you know, how do I then, you know, I'm in this big city. I had no idea, um, knew no one. And, and this, you know, started from, from there. So, um, it was, it was great. Like I kind of traveled every month. I did a couple of big trips when I was over there. Um, you know, I spent two and a half, three months just traveling when I first got over there uh, for a while uh, and just really experiencing the European culture um you know the the uk the british going to the different sites and you know i, I always see uh, all thought of every pub was you know like the culture like going to a different museum um in all the different areas because you know i enjoy beer and i, lo- I like socializing yeah. i'm not so much about the the museums and things like that even though i did go to a few but you know i'd rather go and experience what the locals are doing yeah yeah the the, the proper museums hey yeah <laughs> good stuff um so you touched on this at the start of the podcast um, in one of the rapid fire questions, but um, you spent some time with the Manly Seagulls rugby league club. Uh, how long did you spend there? Uh, I was with them two and a half seasons. Two and a half seasons. Yeah. So. With the first grade squad or the... Yeah, so I started, um, I had to do uh, uni prac. Uh, or practical hours for my university and that's I reached out to them because I was living on the northern beaches Uh, and then yeah so I did I think it was like four weeks or six weeks uh, with them and that was with uh, the first grade squad and then a position came available with uh, the Howell Mats and SG ball teams which is the 16s and 18s and I was like you know what's what's available Um, what do you need to do and he told me you need to go and get your level one SNC and you get your sports trainers and I think something else first aid and and a few things like that and I looked into it and you know it was I could I could do that by the time this role was filled and I already obviously met the head trainer there who I became friends with um and yeah so my experience there then led into then applying for that job and then getting the SNC role with the the Harold Matson SG ball team um and then I was lucky enough to spend time with the um the first grade team um whilst one of their staff members was on uh, origin duty so i spent the four or six weeks um with the the first grade squad um you know working with them and seeing how they operated and seeing you know firsthand um, what professional sport is here in australia what was was that what was that like because i I think a lot of people want to know i guess a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of you know professional sporting club let alone an nrl team what's it what is the, you know, in a nutshell, what is it like being in the, the inner sanctum? Because obviously you would see, um, you know, you would see a lot of the, the higher profile players in their, in their training environment and what they're kind of like outside what we see on TV. What, are, what was it like? Was it, you know, was it different to what you expected or was it you know, a bit of a surprise? Yeah, I think um, interesting looking back on it, um, was very different to when I was in it. Um, so when I was in it was when I just I was finishing university and then that period of time before I went over to, to London. 
Um, I would say now it's not as glamorous as what it looks from the outside. It's kind of like any business. If you go to a bakery, you know, out the back of the bakery where they're baking all the bread is as glamorous as what it is at the front end. Um, you think about any business or any household, um, you know, there's always crap going on behind the scenes and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's just, they, there's the athletes are there. They're just human beings. They just come in. Um, they have to, they, they know their job uh, and their job is to train, you know, do their own research on themselves, recover. Um, you know, they have to be self-motivated. Even though they've got coaches and stuff there, they still have to turn up. You see the ones who are there early doing the hard work, doing extras, um, who are learning more, who will then take themselves and do, you know, video analysis on themselves, um, look at their stats, ask the coaches how they're going, what they're doing bad. It's like anything how you compare it to uh, employees or even students, that, uh, you know, how they compare themselves. Um, you know, teacher, how, do, how can I improve here? Or what am I doing wrong? Um, or, you know, why do you think I'm doing this? Um, it's, it's everything like that. It's just on a different scale. Um, and it's, it's, you know, when Manly was there, and I think they still are, they're working out of demountable buildings. Um, so it's nothing, uh, you know, all their head offices in demountable buildings. Um, they use the Narrabeen Sport and Rec. So they're using the grounds there, which is common and shared. You know, they're using the pool. Uh, they're using a shared gym, um, which they have a lot of exclusive, you know, usage for it. Um, but it's from the outside um, and sports changed a lot now, um, the professional side of things. But, you know, you just, it's bare bones and they just get the job done. And, you know, the, the thing is, is bringing the people together. Uh, which is the biggest thing for the coaches. So um, it was very interesting in that sense, you know, and I think sport in Australia is definitely not the professional level after going to London and seeing, you know, what, you know, English soccer leagues do have, you know, a hundred times the money that, you know, is in, in the sport here and then comparing rugby league now to AFL, AFL are far more advanced. They're the most advanced, you know, sporting and profession here in Australia in regards to, all their technology, the money used, the facilities they have, you know, their protocols, et cetera, like that um, versus, you know, rugby league. Uh, and then, you know, you can compare it to rugby union, who's as a game is probably, you know, dropped back a lot uh, over the last couple of years as well. So uh, definitely a, a bigger insight into it, but it just runs like any kind of family home, runs like any, you know, middle business, bigger business, Everyone's in there doing their job. Um, and I think you don't probably see is that there's probably a lot of the employees of the clubs, let's say Manly, they do probably more. So they have less resources. So, you know, one employee might be doing two or three roles um, and specialising in that because, you know, that's just how they have to get by. That's what their budgets are uh, and that's what they do. So you do see a lot in the media now. It's like, you know, there's $4 million worth of funding. They've got a salary cap of, you know, 4.2 or, you know, well, I guess the players, but when you look at the other side of things of the actual runnings of the club, et cetera, they're very different. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cause, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, for me being an avid sports fan, you know, when, when I, when you told me that you spent some time there, I was definitely interested to see, you know, what it's like, you know, within that professional realm and, you know, you spot on, I think, you know, I can definitely understand that it'd be like anything, you know, there'd be, there'd be glamorous parts and there'd be not so glamorous parts, you know? So, and, and um, yeah, but you know, the fact that you got to experience that is, you know, something a lot of people I'm sure would you know love to see. So it's a, uh, it's a good, good thing. Um, so following on from your time in Sydney and, uh, and obviously overseas, the time you spent in London, um, you then proceeded to open 
Snap Fitness Maitland in 2012. Um, what motivated you to do that? Obviously, you were, um, you know, you were into the health and fitness industry by that point. You know, I remember you you mentioned in a couple of pod, other podcasts you've been on that you know you were, you were kind of looking around in that area of, of gym ownership. But what what motivated you to to want to be a gym owner and to want to open that up? Yeah, it's a great question, Lockie, and it's pretty loaded. I'll probably tell a few yeah. stories within the one answer yeah, um, yeah. here. And, I mean, I, you know, taking you back, my parents, um, they owned a Toyota car dealership at Ballon Toyota. Um, they had that for, for many, many years. Um, so I think seeing mum and dad own their own business uh, and doing that, seeing what's involved. And a lot of people said, I have an older sister who's two years older than myself, um, we we were offered to take over the business. And, you know, dad said, you know, if you want to do it, um, she's very artsy and creative and design orientated where I just love sport. Um, so we're kind of different, different on that uh, avenue. And she moved to Sydney and she did interior design uh, that way. And then people saying, you know, why are you crazy not to take over this business? And we didn't want to take over. We had no interest in taking over mum and dad's business because we saw the stress that they came home with each night. Um, dad was highly stressed because of the, the dealings of running, you know, a big, a big organization. And it's like, you know, we don't want to do that. I don't have a passion of, of cars, uh, and selling cars, etc. Um, so having parents probably with their own business. And then when I moved overseas, my sister used to work with an interior designer. And then all of a sudden she's left this with, when I was in London, she's gone out and, uh, opened her own business, which was a cafe. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, completely flipped from what she's doing, um, already. Uh, and then seeing her blossom in her business, you know, it was this little unknown cafe called the boathouse, um, who she originally had it and it's just grown to this behemoth and, you know, it was super popular. People would travel from all the way. It was, you know, on the set of home and away, uh, et cetera. So she had that, you know, for many, many years and grew out and then she had kids and she sold that. So I was like, it, it also I was watching that from afar and you know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's cool. My sister's gone and done that. And, and, you know, obviously see the highs and lows of having your own business. And when I was in London, uh, my boss didn't uh, live in London. He lived, you know, a couple of hours out and he said, you know, sat down to me and said, you know, I'll open up all the books and everything like that. I just want you to treat it as your own studio because I was running, you know, boutique personal training studios over there. Um, and, you know, so I opened the eyes to kind of see it that way. And then I was like, when I came back from London, I, was, I had that itch to, I didn't really want to work for anyone else. I kind of wanted to work for myself because so, I knew I'd work a lot harder for it. And that's when I kind of started, you know, looking into different, I knew health and fitness and uh, was my passion and, and sports and stuff like that. But scratching that itch of working with the Manly Seagulls, I kind of knew I didn't, you know, want to go down that line, um, you know, to pursue that because it's very volatile. If the coach gets sacked, half the team gets sacked, uh, you know, and they move on and it's all out of your own control. And, I, you know, I wanted to control my own kind of employment history or, you know, my own destiny. Um, so, yeah, then I started looking around at the different avenues of businesses in the health and fitness if it's a small training studio you know if it was you know a gym 24-hour gym and they just started to filter into australia then i joined an anytime fitness when i first came back uh, it was because it was across the road from where i was living um, in sydney and i joined that and then i was working with a equipment supply person i just got to know guys in the industry and said 
you know, how are these 24 hour gyms going? It's a very weird concept, you know, swiping in, having no one there. And, you know, he'd done a lot of the equipment for a lot of them and he sat me down and showed me, you know, some of the, the results and numbers and things like that. And that's got, that's what got me interested, having the passion to go and work for myself, but then looking at the vehicle um, and what was kind of going to drive my, you know, my business passion forward and learning and, you know, challenging myself. And that's where I started looking. I joined a 24 hour gym and I started looking at both anytime fitness and, you know, snap fitness, uh, speaking to the, the owners and the franchise and that group of, of people and yeah, really feeling comfortable and really liking what I saw with snap. And then, yeah, I was, I was willing to move out of Sydney um, for an opportunity because there's so many gyms in Sydney um, to do it. And that's kind of, where it started and how I got into, um, you know, the snap fitness realm, uh, world, and then also opening your own business, you know, nearly, nearly nine years ago now. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and I guess that's the thing too, like the fact that you were willing to move out of Sydney because, you know, I can imagine it'd be such a competitive area. Obviously you'd have a gym on every corner. Am I right in saying, well, not every corner, but you know, obviously pretty much suburb, there'd be probably, you know, two or three different gyms there. So um, what was, um, what was a challenge that you felt? What were some of the challenges that you faced? Obviously you opened it in, in 2012. So um, was there challenges in the lead up to that or did it all kind of fairly fall into place fairly well? Um, did you have to, um, you know, jump any major hurdles to, to get it all up and happening or did it just kind of happen fairly smoothly once you knew exactly that, you know, Snap Fitness was the one that you were going to pursue? Yeah, so uh, how it worked, I mean, I, I was willing to, to move out because the, the biggest thing with gyms is um, finding the right site or location. Uh, obviously, in Sydney, rents are huge. They're like double, triple the price um, and that's your biggest cost. Um, but also, you know, going outside, I was happy to leave Sydney. Um, I was looking all up and down the coast, like Coffs and obviously being from Lennox and Ballina, I knew there wasn't much there, but, you know, Coffs, Port Macquarie, you know, the big um, country towns, Tamworth, Armidale, uh, looking at those areas because I knew there's probably some opportunity within them. Um, and I was willing, you know, I was willing to move west, you know, going away from the beach to kind of, you know, follow my passion of what I wanted to do. If I didn't do it, I'd probably regret not giving a crack, you know, in some way or the other, um, you know, were there hurdles that I had to get through? Yeah. hundred percent. You know, there's, there's two types. There was, you know, the logistics of obviously running the business, but then there's also that internal um, challenges in your own mind, which is your biggest one, you know, will this succeed? You know, am I going to fail? You know, what are you doing? Do you have the, the skills and the ability to do that? So I had to be confident within myself and, you know, to really get over that own internal chatter um, to then make the decision to then go and, you know, obviously sign a franchise agreement uh, with Snap to then, you know, start looking at sites around and then finding a site and then being comfortable with, is this going to be the right site? You know, is it the right area? You know, can I make a business work in this? And then moving to somewhere that I literally knew no one when I moved here. Um, so then how am I going to, you know, market this gym to be different from other gyms to then try and get people in the door so i can pay some bills and don't go broke yeah. Um, so yeah i think that the biggest thing was you know really working on myself um and believing in myself and talking to a lot of people and how they did it and what they did and you know talking to people who have done it um who are good at what 
you know, they've done in your exact industry uh, and you can go and learn from them, speaking to them, just picking up the phone saying, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain. Have you got five minutes, you know, getting through all that stuff first and then, you know, then believing, having the self-belief that I can go and do it to then, you know, starting. And then obviously you've got that. We had a couple of false starts with, you know, the council knocked us back at Maitland because, you know, there wasn't enough parking. Um, so then we had to go parking survey to then go to a meeting and I went to the meeting and you know literally all the councillors like what do you mean like there's heaps of parking there like ridiculous mm -hmm. so then they all ticked it off but that was you know another six to eight weeks later you know i'm like is, is this not even going to work i've signed all this stuff i've paid all this money um you know and there's just these hurdles and obstacles um that come your way but you don't have any control over them uh so what i've learned now is you can't you know worry about that or you, you can't worry about the uncontrollables you can only worry about what you can do and what you can control what life throws at you or what obstacles you hit, you can then obviously come over, um, you know, overcome them as, as you go along. So it was definitely a lot. You know, I remember the, the, the night before opening uh, the gym, it's like, holy, you know, shit, you know, is this, is anyone even actually going to turn up tomorrow? Um, you know, I've spent, let's say 350,000 to 400,000, you know, is anyone actually going to come tomorrow? Cause I don't really know anyone. Uh, yeah. I've just turned up here. I've put an ad in the paper I've paid a monster at, you know, Green Hills doing your little, you know, stand there, you know, trying to entice people and, yeah. you know, because they can't see, they just see an ad, they can't see, you know, the person behind it, they can't see, you know, if there's a community vibe, whatever. No, there's already gyms here. So, yeah, you can imagine I didn't sleep that well that night. No, I can imagine you would have been, <laughs> you would have been stressed as. How many did you end up getting the, the day after or the, the day of? So we, we signed, uh, we had 230 uh, pre-sale members. Uh, so I 100% remember the first day I turned up, it was a Monday at Stocklands Green Hills outside the news agency, which is still there. Yeah. Uh, we had our little stall. Uh, we had the ad in the paper and, um, you know, stuff went out. And we, we signed up 66 people on the first day um, because I think the first 100 people who joined got a backpack, a towel, a water bottle, um, you know, and some of the members there, like, I mean, Kylie and, and Leanne uh, York, you know, she was yeah. one, of the, one of the originals and she's still a member, you know, nearly nine years later, yeah. uh, she came up and people like were lining up. I mean, I didn't even have enough pens and, and pads for people to sign up. And I was like, oh my God. And obviously after the first rush, you know, we did 66 and we probably got to hundred in the first week. And then, yeah. you know, I think we did about three weeks of pre-sales. Um, by the time we opened, we, yeah, we probably signed up about 30 people, uh, on the opening day um, to push around 260. Um, so, you know, is that a good result? Is it a bad result? Who knows? Like, you know, some people were opening, you know, gyms with 500, 600 members back then uh, in pre-sale and others were opening with 100. So, you know, I was really happy with it because I knew once I could get in front of people and, you know, just be me uh, and, you know, obviously be genuinely interested in them and show them how they can be healthier. Um, that's when it started to kind of gain, gain traction and, and, and progress through. And at that stage, I was doing absolutely everything for the business. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, as you've mentioned, you know, a couple of names there, you know, you've, you've still got a fair few foundation members at the gym now, which is, you know, really positive to see, you know, like Shelly Morris is one, I think. Yeah, Shell, Shell's another one. She was messaging me and, yeah, and, and she was the one that, you know, she couldn't, I remember she couldn't make it down because she had work during the hours that were there and, you know, we went back and forth and we just made it work. 
um, because she really wanted to do it. And I think I met her and we, we got it done. We got her, her membership in and, you know, she's still there. And, you know, it was great to see her. She's doing some small group training in the, in the COVID break. And yeah, she's been a great member, but it's also just having that, that relationship with those people too. It's like, you know, it's, you know, nine years is such a long time. Yeah, and I think, um, and I think after you know nine years too, like the, I think it it turns into more, and you know obviously we're a very you know social gym. I think it, they kind of move away from the client to more of like a a good friend and a valued friend. I think um, you know especially like I think they're always yes they're gym members and everything, but the fact that we're always you know we're, we're a fairly social gym and we're able to interact with with each other fairly well at all the social events that we have. Um, I think it kind of, it moves away from the client a little bit and, you know, we're able to, you know, connect with members a little bit more on a, on a bit more meaningful level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and it is, it's, it's, it's about that relationship you build with them and, you know, it doesn't matter if they come. I mean, people love the social events. You know, you, you see them and it's such a good vibe and buzz and people really appreciate that. And I understand that, you know, some people are really social. Some people like me, they love going and socializing and doing different activities and, and other people aren't. Obviously, they've got different lives. They're very, you know, they could be have other things on, kids, blah, blah, blah. But still having a great relationship with them and if only you see them in the gym, you know, you come in, it's like, hey, Gary, you know, blah, blah, how's this going? And knowing they've done these things in their life and they've got a dog and, you know, you might only see them in the gym, but creating that relationship within, within the gym um you know is important to me and they have general interests like you know oh cam i saw you you know you've now got a dog how's that going and in you know four months time they still ask you about you know something that's going on in your life it's just it's just really really nice and just knowing people's names is is a big a big thing you know i love and i really appreciate when you know i go to a coffee shop or a cafe again it's like hey cam good to see you back or good to see how you're going mm-hmm. um just having a little bit of you know, individuality or personality with it, it, it goes, you know, it, for me, it, it makes a big difference. Um, but you can just see in the members, they appreciate it, you know. Hey, Lockie, how are you going? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely goes a long way, I think. And, you know, it's a credit to you, mate, because, you know, you've built it, you know, from the ground up virtually, you know, from when you first started, you know, you've built those relationships with those with those members and with those people. And I think, you know, Without that, without that groundwork that you first did, I, I don't think the gym would be as successful as what it is. So, um, kudos to you, mate. Kudos to you. Thanks a lot. Um, for last little bit of the podcast here, um, obviously we're in a pretty challenging time at the moment with um, with lockdown and, and COVID and whatnot. Um, I asked the same question to Soph in the last episode about because um, obviously you know in the current climate, you know, people might be struggling for that little bit of extra motivation. Um, you just mentioned before that, you know, we've, we've introduced some group training um, options for people who might be struggling a bit. So what tips have you got um, for, for those listeners, um, you know, who might be, might be struggling a bit to, you know, kind of, you know, I guess get up and, you know, start doing a little bit of exercise or, you know, just they might be struggling to find that motivation to, to work out or to, you know, to, to exercise. What would, what would you say um, would be some good tips for those people in your mind? My tips would be do something you enjoy for 20 minutes. That's today's goal. And that could be taking the dog for a walk. It could be going for a walk yourself. It could be, 
you know, jogging for one minute, you know, walking for one minute. Um, but just commit to doing something for 20 minutes. It could be doing, you know, 10 push-ups and 10 squats in the backyard um, over and over and over uh, and having a rest. It doesn't matter. But just exerting something, you know, physically uh, for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, um, you know, twice a week to start with. Uh, I know my motivation to train has dropped, but when I do, I've just really reduced my um, time that I'd like to train for. And I'm happy to train for 20 minutes now um, at home in this, you know, I'm getting out, I'm walking a lot more. Uh, I'm, I am surfing a lot more uh, now, which I, I would do over anything. If I surf, I don't have to do anything else. Whereas, you know, when the gyms are open, I like to really, you know, feel that exertion, etc. cetera. Uh, but I think it's doing something you enjoy doing, start with that. And then the next step after that is just commit to doing something you don't want to do, but just getting on and doing it. Um, you know, for me, even if I jump in the ocean and it's super cold, I'm in there for a minute, um, you know, it forces me to go and do something and I get out of my comfort zone and, you know, I, I expand my kind of some sort of well-being. You know, I have been reading or making myself read uh, for 10 minutes, um, you know, a couple of times a day. I mean, sorry, a couple of days a week. Um, because it's doing something that I don't normally do. So I'm just changing up my routine. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're really good tips too because, you know, as I definitely um, agree with the first one, you know, getting getting out and doing something you enjoy is super important. Um, you know, I touched on this with you before, you know, it took me a while to find something, you know, to get the joy out of lockdown a little bit and then TikTok comes along, mate, and then there it is. You could do 20 minutes of TikTok, right? Yeah, but like put it this way, like if you... Obviously, let's say TikTok is an example. You're doing something different. Um, the joy that that brings you, but then does that make you want to go and do something else as well? Obviously, you, you do TikTok and, you know, you're like, oh, I haven't done that. I might go and do that now. Um, you know, for me, it's walking. I never, you know, walked or I never really enjoyed walking. I was like, why don't you just go for a run and cut the, sh instead of a 40-minute walk, just go for a 20-minute run. You know, I was like, you know, that time mentality. Um is, is doing that. I was like, now I've actually just enjoyed slowing down, doing something a little bit uncomfortable, which is walking uh, and going for a walk. I, you know, I go with my girlfriend or I, you know, just go and do it by myself or, you know, do something like that. Um, because, you know, time is something we can't get back. You can always earn more money. You can always, you know, buy new things you can, you can do, you can replace things, but time is something you don't get back. So it's just spending that time now and spending it wisely. Uh, you must really, really, you know, cherish that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's awesome, Cam. Um, awesome, awesome, mate. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you very much for, for being on the podcast, mate. Appreciate you giving up your time and, uh, and sharing your story with us. And, um, yeah, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on in, uh, in some future episodes, mate. Can I ask you a question, Mark? Sure you can, mate. So you, I know you've, mentioned doing a podcast for so long yep. um what was the mindset and the thought process to then the action taking in regards to getting the podcast off the ground and i want to pre-frame this because we all do it doesn't matter who you are you think you want to do something you talk about doing something and then you just never never go and do it uh, or you put it off the back burner you know you do that so how did you, how long have you been thinking about doing this podcast, having your own podcast for, and what got you into it? And then how did you then start it? And then once you started, it's like, well, why did I wait so long? 
Yeah, um, that's a good question, Cam. Um, I think I'd, it's something I've definitely been thinking about for a while. Um, I think a good six months. I think I'm, it's honestly been at the back of my mind ever since I've started. List, I started listening to, to the Snap Fitness ones, and you know, it's always been something that I think you know, God, I'd like to start my own. You know, to you know, talk about you know certain things, and you know, to help educate other people about you know health and fitness and things that I'm passionate about. And I think what really kind of got me to action that thought process was, um, I guess, just um, not thinking about it and just like, just doing the action. So I knew I needed a microphone. So I just straight away without even thinking about it, I just bought it anyway. Um, Because I think, and this is for a lot of things, if you think about it too much, you start to talk yourself out of it kind of thing. Um, so I think I just, I jumped on and I was like, yep. So I think I asked you, you know, what, what, um, what site do you use for it? And then I just jumped on, made an account. And then from that, I just was like, okay, what do I have to do next? Buy a microphone. So I just did it straight away without even thinking about it. And then from there, you know, the next part is obviously making the episode. So then I, without even thinking about it, just jotted down some ideas of what I might want to talk about. Um, and then just flow on from there. And it kind of, it literally just flowed on, you know, by that point I'd made an introduction and then, you know, start wanted to talk about things that I was passionate about. So I think not, not worrying about the, the result of it and just, just doing it without thinking about it as, as cliche as it might sound. It's, it's a, that was my thought process behind getting it up and off the ground, if that makes sense. So um yeah that would that's probably my main my main point as to how i got it off the ground it's a tricky one to explain but yeah it was just not not thinking about it and just giving it a crack and not worrying about what people might say or what you know if it's successful or not if people are going to listen because obviously you know the thing with podcasts is you've got to have listeners right you can't you know well that's the the aim of the game is to have have listeners listening so you can, you know, you can, that's motivation to keep making them continue. So, um, and, you know, I made my first couple and had a few listeners on and then that just kind of motivated me to keep making more and, you know, to keep talking about what I'm passionate about. So, yeah. That's it's, it's super interesting. Like, let's look at worst case scenario. You go through that whole process. You still love podcasting. You go and create your own podcast and, you know, three people listen or no people, zero people listen, but that's the result. Like that's, you know, the result is you've done the podcast and you feel good and you've gone through that process. So that's the very, very worst case um, scenario. And, you know, it's how do you then, you know, think about that and tell yourself next time, well, well, what's the worst case? You know, I, you know, tell myself I'm going to go for a run and I don't go, you know, you might beat yourself up or I go for a run and I only go for five minutes. So you've still been for five minutes. Mm. So my final question to you is, you know, because we all do that. We all do that exact same thing. I've done it. You know, you've done it. Your clients are going to do it. Everyone's going to do it. Mm. How do you then create a template or how do you then pre-frame that process that you went through? Obviously you've just done it and not relied on the outcome. So what do you tell yourself? Cause this is going to come up again, maybe tomorrow or next week or next month for you about you need to go and do something or you want to go and do something, but you just don't take that actual steps. So how do you then kind of put that into a, 
you know, let's say a pre-framing or a template for yourself to say what I've got to do, identify I want to do that, identify the risks and rewards of it, and, you know, do I just go through the process? How do you get yourself into the process as quick as you can? Yeah, I think um, I think just asking yourself, obviously identifying the risk, the risk and reward is important, but I think um, what I've started to do is just, you know, thinking to myself, well, all right, well, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen, you know? Or, you know, as crazy as this might sound, are you going to die from it, you know? <laughs> Is yeah. are you going to die from it? So if you're not going to die, if death rules out, well, just give it a go, right? So, um, and then you think, well, what if something good happens from it? You know, not necessarily thinking, oh, what if negative line? What if this happens bad? What if this happens bad? And kind of shifting that mentality to what if something good happens? What if you know, trying to put put a positive spin on it, and you know, it is. It's, it is easier said than done, obviously, but I think the one question that I do ask is, you know, as I said before, it's a bit of a, it's a crazy question to ask yourself, but you just go, well, am I going to, am I going to hurt myself or am I going to die from it? You know? And it's like, well, if you're not going to die and you're not going to hurt yourself, well, give it a go. You know, what's the, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a crazy question to ask, but you know, it is, but we, we do it every every day, every moment. There's, there's something that is holding everyone who listens to this right back right now from not actually going and doing something they really want to do. It could be going to a park run. It could be learning how to cook something. It could be, you know, I don't know how to do that, so I don't want to go and do that. Well, just go and try. You know, yeah. just st- start the process. And I think, you know, there's, there's two things I'll add here. I think Mel Robbins um, is awesome. She's the M- Mel Robbins. She's created the 54321 Go. Um, so she just gives herself five seconds. It's like, you know, I don't want to, you know, go and wash up the dishes and she just counts herself down from five, four, three, two, one go. And she just goes and does it. Uh, or I don't want to make this phone call because of something you've told yourself internally, you know, might happen on this phone call. It's like, well, no, five, four, three, two, one go pick up the phone and make that phone call, you know, or, you know, do something. So I think that's a great for anyone who's listening. It's great because you literally just told yourself five, four, three, two, one, good, buy, buy a microphone. Okay. What software do I need? Five, four, three, two, one, good, go bank, download the software for a podcast. Um, so it's just having those actionable steps um, and obviously just doing it. And I heard a mate told me the other day, he said, we're talking about people who really, really worry and ponder and things like that. And he's very similar to you, Locke, in regards to, he goes, well, you know, is, am I going to think about this and is this going to affect me in five years time from now? And it's like, if the answer is no, I said, well, why am I worried about it? And why am I stewing over it now? Why am I putting so much energy into it yeah. uh, right now? It's like, you know, is this going to affect me from starting a podcast for let's say $50 or $100 or $0 if you can just got stuff at home? Um, you know, in five years time, will I be worrying about it? No, well, you know, what's, there's no point of worrying about it now. Yeah. Uh, putting it to the side so it's a big one and it's just getting people to understand the steps to get going and what's holding them back and their own internal and most of the time we talked about before i talked about before is overcoming that internal chatter you know what if that what if that what if that yeah and i think that's that that's ultimately what it is because we're all physically capable um you know i think it's uh you know and i think a good you know watching i don't know if you're watching the same thing but sas australia's you know, been on TV the last few not few nights. I think it's only just started, and you know, there's a lot of internal like you know, you see the 
the directing stuff and all them, they're all about mentality and internal chatter. Um, you know, they say, you know, you, your body's physically capable of a lot of things that we're, we're not so sure about, but it's all, as you said, it's all internal chatter. Um, and it's just about, as you said, finding their ways to kind of block it out and, you know, try to put a positive spin on it, I guess. Good well, chat. Well said. Well said. <laughs> well said. Awesome. Good answer to yeah. my question. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All righty, mate. Uh, thanks very much for jumping on and uh, we'll uh, catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks, guys.